This is Syzygy, Episode 2, Dark Matter. It's out there, even when it's not. Welcome to another episode of Syzygy, where we explore the universe in podcast form. I'm Chris Stewart, and this week we're searching for that elusive, mysterious stuff known as dark matter. And in particular, a discovery in the last week or so that showed that in a place where astronomers thought there should be loads of dark matter, there wasn't any at all. And that that absence of dark matter is somehow solid evidence that the stuff actually exists. Confusing, I know. But to help me make sense of it all is my co-host, Dr. Emily Brunsden. Hi, Emily. Hello. So, dark matter, what is it? First, give us a bit of background on this new discovery. What's happened? Yeah, so this discovery, which was made by Peter van Dokum and uh, collaborators uh, from Yale and internationally, basically looked at a galaxy. They were looking to find out what's the uh, dark matter proportion of the mass that makes up this galaxy. And lo and behold, this galaxy just didn't seem to have any at all. And that which was is, very, very surprising. Which, which is surprising because, and we will get through all of this, don't worry, but it's surprising because dark matter makes up a very large proportion of every other galaxy we've seen. Mm, mm, yeah, in the case of the Milky Way, it's 30 times what we see in kind of ordinary matter. So it's important. So the fact that we don't see it in this one galaxy is actually making astronomers sit up and say, sorry, what? Yeah, where's it gone? <laughs> really? So that's very, very strange. But I think in order to get there, we need to just hit reverse for a minute. Go back up. Emily, tell me about dark matter. What is it? Well, fortunately, dark matter has one of those names where it actually kind of makes sense. <laughs> so for once in astronomy, well done, you've named it well. Dark matter yeah, as so, opposed to bright matter. Yeah, or what we tend to call ordinary matter, baryonic matter. So dark matter is something that has mass. We can see that it has mass because it has effects through gravity, but it doesn't put out any light that we can see. So it's quite dark. Okay. Um, but what is it? Well, that's a very good question. We don't know. <laughs> okay. So it's it's dark matter in the sense that we can't see it, but it's also dark matter in the sense that it's it's we don't we don't know what it is. We have no idea literally what this stuff is. There must be there must be ideas, though. Well, we're leaning towards some particular descriptions, but, I mean, ultimately, um, we really just do have no clue what it could be. All right. So let's pad this out a little bit. Ordinary matter, the stuff that we find around us here, my, my computer, this microphone, this entire office is made out of matter, stuff that we're quite used to, all of the elements, all of the particles that we know, and all the same stuff that we see when we look up in the sky, the stars, the planets, the gas the dust, everything that we see is the same sort of stuff. Yeah, it's the same yeah. kind of matter. Yeah, and that's what we did when we first started thinking about what is our galaxy made up of. We know that there's maybe 300 billion stars or so in the galaxy. There's a whole lot of gas. There's a whole lot of dust. There's bits of other little um, chunks of rocks like comets and planets and all sorts of bits and pieces. And so you can kind of do a census and you can say, well, if you add up all those things, how much mass do you get for the galaxy? And that was wonderful. We had a mass of our galaxy. We even included the mass of the big black hole in the centre. And so, um, so that's got to add up to a lot. And so that's fine. We've got this, this nice, big, massive galaxy of all the stuff we can see. So why did the whole dark matter thing come along? 
Well, one of the reasons was we started measuring what the rotation speed of clouds were, uh, these are hydrogen clouds, at the very, very far reaches of our galaxy. So we can do the technique where, um, we do it for our solar system actually, where you can measure how fast a planet is going around the sun, and that tells you what the gravitational force is, and therefore what the mass of the sun right. is. Right, if, if something's rotating, then there's something that is pulling it around in its circular or orbital path right yeah, yeah. and so the speed at which it's rotating tells you something about how strong that force is and in this case it's it's gravity so it tells you how much stuff there is pulling it around gravitationally in its in its orbit yeah right? and if it was going um too fast for that amount of gravity then it would go flying off it wouldn't be bound to the to the mass in the center so the planets would go skiffing off through the galaxy instead of being in these nice orbits around the sun right okay so so this has been nicely understood for a very long time this relationship between the orbit speed the size of the orbit and the the mass of the of the objects involved the sun and the planet for example so astronomers measured the speed of these gas clouds going around the outside or the the, the outer regions of the milky way and and something went wrong right they were going too fast yeah though you needed to have a huge mass of the whole galaxy in order to hold on to those gas clouds how much bigger would it would it need to be to explain the the speed? So we need something like fifty billion times the mass of our sun. Right, as as opposed to how much mass do we actually see? Well, maybe only a few billion. So it's it's like it's like an order of magnitude more. Yeah, like yeah. It's just thirty times roughly. Thirty times more than we can actually see. Mm. So. What is it? <laughs> I mean, that must have been pretty confusing. Right? That was very, very confusing. I mean, our theories of gravity are pretty old and pretty well established. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they work really, really well in the solar system, but presumably everything else that we've seen in the you know in, in the galaxy, it works well. Well, until you get to these very large scales like galaxies, clusters, and so on. And we started to look at where actually is this matter, first of all. Right. So we thought, okay, is it in the spiral arms with all the stars and the gas and dust that we can see? And there's a sum there, but really we find it is in this kind of spherical bubble around our own galaxy. Okay. But that still doesn't tell us what it is. I mean, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm getting you right, we measured the speed of these gas clouds going around the outside of the galaxy – and they were going way too fast. So we calculate backwards and figure out, well, there must be this amount of mass. And it's huge. It's like 30 times what we see. And so we infer from that, well, there must be a whole bunch of stuff that we don't see. Let's call it dark matter, just for the sake of an argument, because I'm sure we'll figure out what it is really soon. When are we talking here? When was this kind of discovered? <laughs> At a time that was maybe uh, somewhere on the order of 50 million. In a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) About 50 years ago, roughly. Right, somewhere, Um, yeah, decades ago. Okay, so it was, I mean, it must have been at the time that astronomers thought either we're wrong. You know, let's go and check those calculations again. Did I I forget to carry the two? What happened? Or there's there's something here to be discovered and we'll, we'll probably figure this out fairly soon and that's decades ago so so what are the what are the best guesses at the moment well the first one we sort of came up with was but this is the time before we were finding all the extrasolar planets that we know about today so we thought well we know that we thought we think there's probably planets just like our own 
in our solar system. We probably think they're going around stars. So let's think about a sort of a class of objects which includes planets, which includes um, stars that kind of failed, so they don't have any light, so we don't see them. Um, and there's this whole sort of group of objects we called machos. Machos. Okay. <laughs> That's an acronym. That's I'm an assuming. acronym. It stands for uh, Massive Compact Halo Objects. <laughs> so basically things that have mass that are quite compact like a planet um, and they're living out there in the halo and they're just objects. <laughs> right. And and we can't see them because they're not giving off their own light. Yeah. So, you know, we can see all these bright things in the sky but we're missing an extraordinary amount by this theory of lumps of rock and stuff that are out there, but we just we just can't see it. Yeah, and this is what we still call ordinary dark matter. Right. We understand what a planet is and sure. what a failed okay. star might be. So that that seems plausible, but I'm 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 guessing from the fact that it's it's not the theory. We haven't gone to macho theory and we're still using the word dark matter, <laughs> that it's maybe not right? No, well, we started looking for these objects because... I mean, uh, there's a lot of it. Yeah, right? you have to be able to find them somehow. Be tripping over it, walking down the hall. Oh, another, another bloody bit of macho yeah. just fell over. Um, and so we started looking for the gravitational effects that these would have on the light from stars that were behind them. So this is coming back to that microlensing idea, that if you have a compact object with some mass, it's going to bend light from something behind it. And we've done decades now of massive surveys to try and find these things. And we found some, but not very many. Not very many. And certainly not nearly as many as you might hope to find, considering that there's 30 times more of it than all the stars and stuff. Exactly. It should be everywhere. Yeah. So the fact that machos might make up dark matter is pretty much being put to bed. Right. There's some of it out there, but it's not the answer. Right, so if it's not macho, then it's what? Well, here's a lovely, lovely parody here that um, the competing theory are called wimps. Of course. (laughs) Of course they are. Machos, no, it's not that, so it must be the wimps. So wimps stands for? Weakly interacting massive particles. Right, so let's unpack that. Weakly interacting, so we we don't see it terribly often. Yeah, they Um, don't seem to react with electromagnetic forces, basically. Electromagnetic forces, including light, which is... Why we don't see them. Mm. Okay, so weakly interacting massive particles. Yeah. What are these? Basically, there might be another particle out there that we just haven't found yet. Right, right, which is weakly interacting. It doesn't interact terribly much, but it interacts enough for it to clump around galaxies and things or yeah they must have really tiny masses these particles which makes them actually weakly interacting by nature um and but if you have an awful lot of very tiny things it starts to add up yeah oh well i mean i can think of a candidate just off the top of my head you know being an ex-particle physicist there's there's the neutrino it's weakly interacting it's very light but but pretty sure has a bit of mass so is that is that Neutrinos are probably part of it, um, but we do actually have a reasonable understanding now of how many neutrinos might be out there. And again, there's not enough. Mm. So so whatever these wimps might be, the clever money is on something new, something entirely different. Yeah, a brand new particle. What a weird position to be in, that, that decades after this pretty fundamental shock to the system for astronomers, not only do we still not know what 
what it is, what dark matter actually is is comprised of. But the the best bet seems to be that it, it really is new. It's new physics. Yeah, and it's really hard to go out and find. <laughs> well, by definition, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even think about the um, Higgs boson. We had a reasonably good idea what the Higgs boson should look like, what its properties should be. Yeah, from the theory. Yeah. Right? The, the theory of the standard model of all of the forces and particles in nature, all of the electrons and quarks and, and everything pointed to, well, at least the simplest version of that theory said the Higgs should look like this and it should have roughly this mass. And they went and looked for it with a really big accelerator over at CERN, the Large Hadron Collider. And there it was. Like it was it was almost too easy for the physicists involved. Not easy in the sense of it did cost a lot of billions of, of dollars and, and a lot of time. But it was there right where they thought it was probably going to be. But yeah. in this case... We don't have the similar kind of theory that tells us what are some, at least um, some tight boundaries on what this particle might be. We just really don't know. And, well, CERN, one of the major science goals of CERN remains to be finding something to put towards the dark matter. But when you, you don't know what you're looking for, it's, it's incredibly difficult. That's a really, really peculiar position to be in. And, I mean, again, if, if it were just, oh, look, we're missing 5% of all the all the... The mass in the galaxy like we just don't know what that is but this is like this is the stuff that we can see is the five percent the yeah. stuff that we can see is a, is a small fraction of everything that's there and we don't know what the rest of it is like what are you astronomers doing with your time seriously <laughs> that's incredible yeah well even the fact that we can find it now and we can start to put some constraints on it is is very very helpful and we're a long way further along in knowing what dark matter is than we were when we first discovered it okay so, so let's let's it, talk it's about it's not all you know null science at this yeah point. okay <laughs> I, I was being facetious don't take, don't take it personally or astronomers don't email me i'm i'm sorry i didn't mean it um but let's talk about that for a second because the discovery that dark matter had to be there, those gravitational observations, the, the gas clouds going around the outside of the galaxy, um, presumably we've moved on in observations from that point and there's a lot more evidence. You know, it's not just that one, one measurement of gas clouds around the Milky Way. We're pretty clear that dark matter is a thing everywhere. Yeah, and we've got some lovely other observations like what uh, sort of to thing? tell us about it. So, well, the first thing you'd think about is if we have dark matter in our galaxy, it should be in other galaxies as well. Sure. And that's exactly what we found. We were able to measure the rotations of other galaxies, basically seeing that they were um, rotating too quickly to, for the mass that we could see that was inside of them. And again, basically the same technique, sort of inferring that um, there is this dark matter um, halo in those galaxies as well and that's um it seems to be um a standard thing that most galaxies like our own have about 30 times maybe plus or minus uh 10 times in there but so, you know roughly about the same yeah so so it's consistent it it seems to be out there around around all galaxies it's a it's a it's a common thing it's a common property or or a common component of of all galaxies that we, that, that we look at do we see it on other scales as well like is there is there dark matter in this room? <laughs> well, maybe if we're talking about those tiny particles, but the amount of dark matter in this room will be incredibly tiny. Right. So it's very difficult to see an effect of a very, very tiny particle when you've only got a handful of them. Sure. I mean, it, you know, it's a little bit like asking, are there 
going back to neutrinos. Are there neutrinos in this room? Yes, lots of them. Very, very large number of them. But they're they're interacting so weakly that, you know, a couple of them might bounce off a, an atom inside you in a lifetime. Um, what about other distant scales? Though? Do, you, do you see it on scales larger? Yes, definitely. So that's really nice that we do get these other complementary observations of dark matter. Because galaxies are, 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 you know, they're not just by themselves floating through the void. Galaxies cluster, don't they? They do, into these large, large groups of anywhere between tens to hundreds of galaxies all in a, a cluster. And we can see the dark matter in those clusters, um, sometimes between the galaxies themselves. So dark matter is a thing. There's no question. And I, I'm underlining this. This is important. We see dark matter everywhere on those scales, except in this one particular case <laughs> of this news story at the end of March this year, where we didn't find some dark matter in a galaxy. Yeah. So tell us, tell us what's going on. Tell us about this story. Well, first of all, we have to think about this galaxy. It does have a, a very nice name again. Good. Excellent. It's called NGC 1052 DF2. Well done. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not a galaxy like our Milky Way. We have a sort of a zoo of galaxies in the universe. Right. They have different shapes and um, forms and so on. This galaxy is not a big spiral like ours. It is quite a diffuse galaxy. And it's actually a dwarf galaxy as well. Okay. So by diffuse, you mean that it's all, it's all spread out. Yeah, it doesn't really have like a one structure. It doesn't have a spiral. It's sort of just a blob. It's a big blob of stars. How big is this galaxy? It's big. It's big. <laughs> cool. Okay. It doesn't so. have quite as many stars in it as our galaxy. So um, looking at if you sort of, again, tot up all the, the mass from all the stars and the various other bits and pieces that you find in the galaxy, you get something like uh, 200 million times the mass of the sun. 200. And how does that compare to the Milky Way? So we're 50 billion. Right. So it's quite a lot smaller. Okay. Yeah. Probably why it's called a dwarf. Yeah. Well, that, may, well, that would make sense. So it's a, it's a diffuse dwarf galaxy yeah doesn't have the pretty structure of our own but it is special it is very special and actually the part that it being diffuse helps a little bit because if it's diffuse we can identify some clusters of stars that belong to this galaxy and we can actually start to measure those and measure the speeds of those clusters okay so because it's you know, it is a completely separate galaxy to our own. It's a long way away, a little bit hard to actually identify individual things within it, but the fact that they are spread out kind of helps in that regard. Yeah, right. yeah you can identify these clusters. Okay, so, so we, we go and have a look at that galaxy. We can see stars, clusters of stars moving within it. So what do we find? So we looked at about 10 of these uh, quite bright clusters and we're able to measure their speeds. Now we can measure those speeds um, in terms of the how fast they're moving towards or away from us. And this is the wonderful Doppler effect that we have with light. When you have a cluster that's moving towards you, then it squishes up the light, it becomes a little bit bluer. And when you have a cluster moving away from you, it uh, stretches it out, becomes a little bit redder. And these clusters, well, they had quite high speeds. Um, we're talking about over a thousand kilometers per second. That but, sounds fast, but pretty, I mean, this is astronomy. Quick. That could be really slow. I don't know. It's reasonably quick, but um, it also is a lot uh, slower than they expected because basically there's not as much mass in this galaxy as we expected. Okay, so they had a look at the, the speeds of these stars, these star clusters, and they're fast but by you know terrestrial standards, but they're actually really slow. Yeah, and the, if you backtrack from that and work out how much mass this galaxy has, 
it's almost exactly the same as the mass that we had from the stars and all the other ordinary stuff that was in this galaxy. So it's like what, what the astronomers 50 years ago would have expected when they did that calculation for the Milky Way, but it wasn't that. And then we had 50 years of there's dark matter everywhere. And then there's this galaxy, which is no, 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 no. All the stars that you can see, that completely explains the speed of these ones going around, which is weird. And very weird. And the uncertainties on this, they're not big enough to explain what's going on. I mean, we're talking about this galaxy having 400 times lower mass than we thought it should be from dark matter. So I mean, forgive me, but what the hell? You know, we, sorry, we've spent, we've spent decades confirming this whole mysterious dark matter thing. We still don't know what it is, but it's definitely there. And then there's this one blobby galaxy that goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not playing that game. I've got none. And that's the wonderful thing about science is you do just come across these things and you have to sit up and think, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, but it is. It, that's really peculiar. So, so what's going on? I mean, presumably they've again they've checked their calculations. They haven't they haven't forgotten to you know carry the two or something. No, that, no, that this it, is correct. It's, yeah, these uh, these um, it's a weird galaxy in some senses. I mean, the fact that it has this kind of diffuse nature and the the bright the bright clusters are a bit brighter than they actually should be, and that's also a strange thing. It's also very close to another big cluster which it probably has some kind of interaction with either now or in the past. Right. So if you add up those three weird things, then you can start to put together a picture that something odd might have happened to this galaxy. Right. Before we get to that, I just, I just want to back up on something. Are there any other explanations for dark matter that don't invoke weird things that we don't know what they are, you know, new particles that haven't been discovered yet. Uh, I mean, there was the whole macho thing, but that's been shown not to be true. You know, could we could we just have got stuff wrong? Like maybe we just don't understand gravity. Yeah, and that was quite um, – it has come and resurfaced and there's been lots of different theories of gravity um, or at least modified theories of gravity. So we know gravity, how it works on our local scales and our solar system, et cetera. Um, but maybe gravity behaves a little bit differently on larger scales. Right. I mean, we, you know, it works incredibly well on the scale of the solar system um, to the point where, you know, Einstein's general relativity um, explains the, you know, the orbit of, of Mercury and the peculiarities in the, in, the, in the orbit of Mercury and so on incredibly well. But, you know, we thought Newton was right. Maybe, maybe Einstein's wrong on, on bigger scales. Have you thought of that, astronomers? <laughs> Definitely. And there's lots of groups of theories. They're sort of collectively generally um, termed MOND, which stands for Modified Newtonian Dynamics. Um, the problem with these theories, and even they're, they're sort of not really the mainstream theory for dark matter, even before this discovery, because the problem with them is that you have to adapt them to each individual scenario that you find. They're not consistent, say, between galaxy to galaxy or galaxy to galaxy cluster. So either you have to sort of tweak parameters around and change things, or maybe it gets a bit fiddly, really, with you're, them. With you're the working theories. too hard yeah. at that point. You, Occam's razor has to, has to kick in at some point and say, look, the simplest explanation is that it's not that. It's going to be 
it's going to be something else. And But I mean, in particular in this case, if you've got every other galaxy that we've ever seen having you know that, that measurement of the, the much larger mass of the galaxy than we can see, Except for this one, you know, that's extreme tweaking of whatever that, exactly, whatever that theory yeah, has to be. Yeah. So actually the discovery of a galaxy without dark matter kind of tells you that dark matter actually might be a thing. Um, okay, why? Because it's much, much simpler to come up with an explanation as to why a particular galaxy, which is peculiar in its own way, may not have dark matter as then to rejig your whole theory of gravity to try and explain why one gravity one uh, galaxy doesn't follow your theory of gravity. Yeah, okay, I can that makes sense. Yes, if you can come up with an explanation for where all the dark matter has gone, you don't have to throw out the dark matter explanation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. All right. So, where's it all gone? Emily, <laughs> what do well, they think's happened to this peculiar We're really galaxy? just hypothesizing at this point. Sure, because, I mean, this is all very new. This, yes. This was yeah. only announced a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of um, ideas that have been put on the table, um, and they're, all, they're actually linked to the, all these weird properties of the galaxy. So it has these bright clusters that we don't have many of in our galaxy, but there seems to be quite a few in this. It's quite diffuse, and it's quite close to this other big galaxy, which has probably played a role in its history. So um, one uh, sort of idea is it's been some sort of cataclysmic event where mm. <laughs> there's been um, a very, very high energy phenomenon, not really sure what that might be, but basically that's kind of blown away or moved around the, the gas, which is now reformed into this, what looks like a galaxy now. Maybe it's just a part of the old galaxy, the other one that blew out kind of and for some reason that didn't take the dark matter. Like in, any idea what that could have been? There's quite exotic things that are very theoretical, like um, quasars doing some really bizarre um, outbursts and things like that. But um, basically the, the whole um, group, which you call a cataclysmic event, kind of could be all sorts of weird and wonderful um, explosions, basically. Sounds good. So yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a research grant in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, perhaps a more... Um, Oh, a more easier to understand um, explanation is there maybe has some kind of collision um, between either the other galaxy, the big, big Brother galaxy, if you like, and a third party, or between what is now this little diffuse galaxy. And the dynamics of that interaction have caused the, basically an out, outflow of um, matter from either either one of the original galaxies that's kind of reshaped and reformed into what appears to be this diffuse object now. So is the idea that because dark matter, whatever it is, does interact through gravity, clusters around a galaxy, it forms around the galaxy, and so if there's a collision, whichever galaxy wins that particular collision <laughs> can make off with the, the bulk of all the dark matter. Yeah, and we have good evidence, actually, that dark matter doesn't have to follow the matter that we see. There's a really nice um, colliding galaxy pair called the Bullet Cluster. And when you map out where the dark matter is in that scenario, it's actually in a different place to where the ordinary matter is. So it's not too much of a stretch then to try and think, well, maybe the same thing's happened here and the dark matter is kind of just a bit elsewhere. Must be a bit tricky given that this is the only one of these dark matterless galaxies that we've ever seen. 
right? Yeah, you're always just a little bit suspicious of your of your results when you have a data point of one. <laughs> yeah, one. You can't draw a straight line through that. No, that, no. That, that but, doesn't work. Um, fortunately, the group do know of quite a few of these diffuse galaxies, and as we speak, uh, we're getting big telescope time. So we're talking about the biggest telescopes in the world um, that they're using to do these uh, studies, including Hubble. Um, and they are looking basically to try and do these measurements again on some of these other um, very similar galaxies, and we'll see if they are also uh, deficient in dark matter. Okay, watch this space. Well, that's all for this week on Syzygy. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, um, why not leave us a review on your podcast directory of choice? It it does help other people to find us when you do that. So go and give us a a rating out of five stars and and a little review with a thumbs up if you've enjoyed it. My name's Chris Stewart. I've been producing the show here in uh, in Emily's office, actually, at the uh, the Department of Physics at the University of York. So a great way to get in contact with us is through Twitter at SyzygyPod. And of course, you can head to our website, which is uh, Syzygy. G.fm. In case you've forgotten how to spell Syzygy, we can have a go at getting it right again this time. It's Y-Z-Y-G-Y. We're going to be back again within the next two weeks because uh, we've got a, a, a bit of a special one coming up next time, Emily. What's going on? Well, fingers, toes and everything else crossed. Next week um, I'm involved with a mission that's launching. It's called TESS. It's a NASA telescope, space telescope. And it's going to be doing all sorts of wonderful science on the brightest stars on the entire sky. So we are incredibly excited. So join us next time. Fingers crossed for Syzygy in space. That's going to be so awesome. Well, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Emily. Thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Good. All right. So we're recording. Whee! (laughs) And I'm going to leave that in. That's going to go at the end. Thank you.